first translated when the Berlin Wall fell down, we went over and began to train pastors and youth leaders and uh, did it almost right away within that first uh, year or so. And, and uh, Dasko was my first translator in Bulgaria. So uh, that's when we met many, many, many years ago. And, and it's an honor to call him friend. And it's an honor as a church to support his family in the work of the ministry around the world. We don't have a lot of time left, so grab your Bibles right now. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we're going to dive into God's Word. Get your bulletins out, because I'm going to go, unfortunately, I'm going to go very quickly. And uh, you can write down as much as possible, because the end is near. The end is near. Jesus is coming back. The Cubs won the World Series. There is nothing left for Jesus to do. Um, <clears throat> I'm just having fun. I'm just having fun. I'm a little jealous. But uh, yeah, we got a weird week ahead, don't we? We have an election coming up. We got some crazy things happening in the world. Guys, the end is near. And Jesus is very clear in his, in his word uh, to tell us what's coming. It's a prophetic book, the Bible. He wants us to know what's lying ahead. And so that's why the Bible is our guide. And the last time we were together, we looked at the tribulation and the Antichrist. And we looked at what was going to happen. And you go back and review that message, any of the messages, they're online, they're free, audio, video, share them with your friends because we want everybody to know. But I want to tell you... <clears throat> What is coming in the tribulation is terrible, terrible times ahead. And so today I want to talk to you about the rapture and the millennium, the rapture and the millennium, because these things are good news. And I will preface up front by saying that I am a huge fan of the Left Behind book series. I read every single one, and I couldn't, I was the geek that couldn't wait for the next one to come out, um, and which is interesting for me because I'm not a big fiction reader, but I loved the Left Behind series because it's about the rapture and what happens and that we need to be right with God or we will be left behind, and we've been talking about this from the very beginning, is that you and I, everyone needs to be ready, and we need to be ready for the rapture. Going back to our chart, and it'll be on the screen as well for those that can't see it up here, but the, the, the cross led to the church age, and that's where we live right now. Then we have the rapture, which is the next thing on God's calendar, and that's about to happen. Then we have the seven-year tribulation where the Antichrist will be uh, here on the earth, and talked about that last week. The battle of Armageddon will happen at the end of tribulation, which will lead to the millennium, which will lead to all of eternity. And the rapture comes right here, and it is when we are caught up to meet with Jesus. This is not the second coming. This is when we are caught up in the air to be with Jesus, and this is the next thing that will happen. If you hear about the rapture for the very first time or see one of the movies, and I haven't seen all the movies that are out there on it, so I don't know, but if you watch the movie or read the books or hear this sermon, you may think this is strange. It's what's going to really happen. Well, that's why we're going to look at the Bible today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 16. 
For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive or are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Now, most Christians agree on the fact of the rapture. Now, some people don't believe in a rapture, and one of their biggest uh, criticisms is, is that the word rapture is never found in the Bible. So even though most Christians believe in the rapture, some do not, and they say, well, it's not found in the Bible. And so I want to address that from the very beginning. There are several theological words that are not found in the Bible, yet there's truth to them. For instance, the word trinity is never found in Scripture, yet we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the idea of the Trinity is definitely there. So it doesn't have to be there to be a reality. However, the word rapture is found in Scripture, but it's taken from the Latin translation, not the Greek text. And so what we see in the Latin word is rapturo, and that's what we read in the English, to be caught up. So when we're caught up to be with the Lord, it's rapturo in Latin. Now, some would say, well, the pre-tribulation rapture is something that was thought up just over the last couple hundred years, and the Schofield Study Bible kind of propagated it, and so really it hasn't been around that long. But the reality is of what we're talking about today, the rapture in the millennium was actually discussed as early as Justin Martyr in the years 100. And so really between the years 100 and 300 with the early church fathers, they spoke of what we're talking about today. This is not a later revelation. The Greek word for rapture or being caught up in the English is harpazo, harpazo. And that word in the Greek means to catch away or to pluck. They use it for pulling up uh, something from the ground, to seize by force, to claim for oneself, to move to a new place, or to rescue from danger. That idea of being caught up, harpazo, with the Lord. And so what does the Bible tell us will happen? What will happen? Well, the Christians who are here, alive on the earth, before the tribulation, will be taken up to be with Jesus in heaven. Those who have died will rise and they will go, and we will all gather together as believers to witness the end. Jesus says in John 14, 3, And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back, And take you to be with me so that you will be with me where I am. We want to be where Jesus is. Paul had to deal with this along with the other apostles. Because some people were dying and they thought, well, the Lord is coming back and they've died. Did they miss out? So Paul has to address the issues in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And you look at a few verses before in verse 13. It says, brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. Or to grieve like the rest of the men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. So we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own words, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Those that have fallen asleep will rise. We will be taken up to be with Jesus and we will be changed in an instant, in a moment. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15 is the resurrection chapter of the Bible. And I want to read a couple verses here, beginning at verse 51. And so you can write this down in your notes and look it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 51. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? We will be caught up to be with Jesus, alive or dead. And let me tell you, it'll happen in the blink of an eye. Just blink your eyes for a second. That's how fast it will happen. That's how fast it will change. And you will go from being who you are now, that you will be with him and you will be strong and immortal and imperishable. There'll be no more age, no more decay, no more death. You will be built for eternity. And that day is coming. When will the rapture happen? That's the question to talk about now. When will the rapture happen? Well, the Bible tells us that nobody knows. Nobody knows the day or the hour. There's different opinions when it will happen. And on our tribulation here, some believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, which is what I believe, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Some believe in a mid-tribulation rapture that he will come back and take us to be with him halfway through the tribulation, and some believe in a post-tribulation rapture that we will go through the tribulations as Christians, we will be taken up to be with him, and then brought right back down for the very end. I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, or we call it pre-trip, that we will be taken before the seven-year tribulation begins, and I want you to know why I believe that. Because there will be many, and there are probably even people here, I even saw people on TV this week that disagree with what I'm about to tell you, but that's really okay, because I understand where they're coming from. They say that Christians must suffer. Jesus says that we'll suffer. The, the Bible tells us that we'll suffer as believers, and that is true. But listen, we've been suffering for Christ since the apostles. They laid their life down for Jesus. There's been tribulation throughout this church age. And yes, it is getting worse, but I don't believe we are called to go through the great tribulation. I believe that God is going to rescue us before that, and let me tell you how it will unfold. Jesus will return in the air and take Christians out of this world to be with him. Christians who have died are raised to life, and living Christians are caught up to meet the Lord. Shortly after the rapture, the world events will take a dramatic turn for the worse, and over seven years, that tribulation time, the Antichrist will rule and destroy this world, and God's judgments will be poured out on this world. There will be total collapse of this world system, and it will be the worst time in human history. If you need to know about the tribulation, go to the sermon last weekend where I talked about what is coming. At the end of the tribulation, Jesus returns to earth in majesty and power. Christians who have been in heaven during the tribulation return with him, and they witness the final defeat and the destruction of the Antichrist. Jesus then sweeps all that is left, the remnants of human government, and all the evil from this earth, and he sets up a kingdom of peace. 
And that's what we call the millennium. Now you say, well, you just told me what is going to happen, but what's the biblical evidence? So let me tell you why I believe we will be taken before the tribulation begins. I believe it because the Bible promises us that we are rescued. It says in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Right there in the book of Revelation, Jesus is telling us, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to rescue you from the time that's coming. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not appointed for wrath. We are appointed for salvation. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Jesus is going to protect you from the coming wrath. Why? Because God's wrath was poured out on Jesus on the cross. And you have Jesus. He took your place. You don't have to go through this. Probably the the greatest evidence actually comes from the book of Revelation itself. And I'm going to speak quickly, and I apologize for that. But you can listen to this online or watch it again and go back and look at the chapters of Revelation. In Revelations chapters 1 through 3, Jesus is speaking directly to the church. In fact, there are words in red as he speaks to the churches. And so he speaks to the churches there, and maybe someday we'll have a sermon series on that. But, but in those first chapters, he speaks to the church. In chapters 4 and 5, immediately after he speaks to the church, in chapters 4 and 5, the church is pictured with Jesus in heaven. It's that his bride is with him in heaven in chapter 4 and 5. And then in chapters 6 through 19, that's what we talked about last week, the tribulation that will come upon this earth, the trumpet judgments, the bowls of wrath, all of those things are found in chapters 6 through 19. It's not until 19 that the bride returns with Jesus from heaven. The church disappears from the book of Revelation from chapter 4 to chapter 19. The whole time it is going on, the tribulation is going on, the church is not mentioned even once. Why? Because we're with Jesus. He came and he took us to be with him. Another reason we believe this from the Bible is because we're told to expect the rapture at any time. That this could happen at any moment. That's what the New Testament apostles try to get across in almost every single book of the New Testament. This could happen at any moment. If it is midway through the tribulation or at the end of tribulation, we'll know when he's coming. We can begin to time out as we read the book of Revelation and we see the rise of the Antichrist and we see what's taking place and the different wrath and the different judgments and the mark of the beast and all of a sudden we're like, okay, Jesus is coming back. We know when he's coming back. If it was later on, we would know right when he's coming. But he says, you don't know. You'll never know. It's when the Father tells us it is sudden and unexpected. And that's why it has to be before the tribulation. Another reason is that Jesus and the New Testament uh, authors tell us that we don't have to worry about that. There is no warning about the great tribulation. 
Will we go through trials and temptations and tribulations? Yes, we're warned about that, but we're never warned that we will go through the great tribulation. The tribulation that we were to experience was poured out on the cross, and God saves us from judgment, and he always saves his own. If you go back to the Old Testament and you look at Enoch or Noah, you can look at Lot even, that God rescued those out of judgment and destruction. That's our God. He rescues his people. Those who are not believers, however, are not rescued. They are left behind to face the great tribulation. That's why we need to be ready. That's why I'm preaching these messages. We don't have to go through the horrible judgments of God that are going to be poured out on this earth. We who believe are rescued. And let me tell you, that's good news. That's the good news. Why? Because Jesus wants us to be with him. I believe that God wants us with him. It's more than just he's going to protect us and he will protect us. He wants us to be with him. I was thinking of the Cubs, you know, and, and, and those people that got those front row seats. Those were really good seats, weren't they? And that was really cool. But it was the family and the friends that got to go on the field, that got to ride the buses in the parade. Those were the ones that were with the players. And God says, I don't want you just to have a front row seat. I want you with me. You're with me. And that's the heart of God. So no matter how your life is going right now, Know that you're on God's side, that you belong to him, that he's going to rescue you. And you might be frustrated and abused by this life, but I'm going to tell you, he's getting us ready for his perfect kingdom, where we will rule and reign with him, and we will be with him forever. And in the final moments today, let me describe this kingdom that is coming. Let me tell you about the millennium, a thousand years Christ will reign here on Earth. It'll be after the rapture, after the tribulation, after the, uh, the battle of Armageddon, it will come. Jesus will come and rule and reign here on the earth. You might hear some people teach that we're actually in the millennium right now, an all-millennial view that, that this is just the kingdom of God right now, but I don't see Jesus ruling and reigning like he says he will in Scripture. So I don't think we're in the millennium right now. Some people say that Jesus will come and after the millennium, but it seems as though Jesus is here during the millennium when I read Scripture, and so I believe that Jesus comes uh, before the millennium, and he sets up his rule and his reign, and he is the sovereign king of the universe. The Bible talks about Jesus ruling and reigning. Let me give you just a few verses here. Psalm chapter 10, verse 16, the Lord is king forever. And ever. The Bible tells us that Jesus will be king forever and ever. Jeremiah 10, 10. The Lord is the true God. He is the living God, the eternal king. 1 Timothy 6.15 says, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Psalm 103.19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Revelation 19. 11 and 16, two verses here. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. On his robe and on his thighs he had his na this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus is King forever. 
Now, when you read the newspaper, you watch the news, it doesn't look like it, does it? But that's why we don't just read the newspaper, we read the Word. We spend time in God's Word. We spend time in His presence to know that He is who He said He is and that He is a King and that He is coming. And we even pray that way, and we pray that way today. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Revelation chapter 20. I want to read some scriptures here talking about the millennium. In Revelation chapter 20, beginning of verse 1, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, the, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must set, be set free for a short time. Verse 4, I saw the thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image, and they had not received the mark on their forehead or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who are part of the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. What happens in the millennium? Jesus comes to earth in dramatic fashion and destroys his, his enemies. The devil is sealed, removed for a thousand years. The effect of sin and its curse is lifted. Believers from the Old Testament and Christians from the New Testament are resurrected to rule and to reign with Christ. Imagine how wonderful this will be, that our world that has been racked by sin, God did not create the world the way it is right now. Sin is destroying this world, but Jesus will come back and sin will be gone. And Jesus will rule and reign for a thousand years. And I believe it's a thousand years because they keep mentioning it. Six times in six verses, they want us to know that Jesus will rule and reign for a thousand years. And we will be with him. What will this kingdom look like? It will be a time of peace and prosperity. It will be a time when all the promises of God are fulfilled and true. There will be no more war, no more social injustice. There will be racial harmony, moral purity. There will be no doctors because there's no disease, no deformity. There'll be, we will live long, productive, abundant lives. The lamb and the lion will lie down together and the knowledge of God will extend to everyone. It will be as God intended our world to be. Can you imagine being whole and complete without sin? And your neighbor loves God and you love God and it is peace and harmony. I want to tell you, that is a beautiful moment. But at the end of the thousand years is when that final judgment will come. And I'm going to be talking about that final judgment next time. And actually, that may be the most important message in this entire series as we talk about the great white throne of judgment. Because there will come a time where there is another falling away and the devil will be destroyed forever. 
and others will go off to eternal punishment. But those of us who are in Christ, we don't fear that final judgment. There is no fear of that final judgment because we are in Christ. We were created for this. We were created for eternity. And so once again, let me ask you the question, are you ready? Are you ready for eternity to come? Are you ready to spend your eternity with Jesus? If the rapture happened today, and let's be very clear about this, it could. I don't see anything holding back Jesus taking us to be with him. I really don't. Things can turn like that. And the rapture could happen at any moment. In the blink of an eye, in that moment, guess what? You don't get to say, wait, hold on, Lord. Let me get right. Let me, let me, let me get everything in order. Let me get, get right with you. It's over. You can't say, wait, Lord, I, I need to go tell so-and-so. I, I need to share it with this family member. I need to, I need to take care of it. No. The Bible says, be ready, because you don't know the day. You don't know the hour. You don't know when I'm coming to get you. And let me tell you, let's not live lives that we would be ashamed of Jesus' coming. Let's live lives expecting him to come at any moment, because he could. And today, I want to make sure that you're ready. And if you are ready, then you need to live ready. And you need to live joyful, because you know what's coming. Live ready today. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me? And I want to pray with you. I just want to make sure everyone is ready here. This could happen at any moment. Jesus tells us this in his word, and so we just need to be ready. We need to be in Christ. Jesus Christ came, and he died on a cross for our sin. The judgment and wrath of God was poured out on him, because God loved you so much. And it's not just you, it's everyone. If you're wondering if God just chooses a few, I want to tell you, God desires everyone to know him. And he is calling out, even as I preach today, through his word, through the Holy Spirit to you. He's saying, come to me. Get ready today. Be ready today. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts, we are saved. So today, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer and to prepare your hearts to be ready. If you want to be ready, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, you're ready.